0: Capital punishment is, by definition, the worst punishment humans can inflict on each other. It's reserved for the most heinous of criminals, and even then it's controversial. There's plenty of conversation to be had about why we punish killers by killing them, but what we're really interested in today is, why do we feed them a nice dinner first? (sighs) For a death row inmate's last meal, we let them order anything they want. Alongside last words, it's their final strange chance for self-expression. But the weirdest part is that the justice system usually honors the request. Sure, they're gonna die, but they gotta eat first. Today, we're looking at the top 10 death row last meals. Last meals remind us that even our worst criminals still have a favorite dinner. And that stark reminder, right before we kill them, makes them even scarier. For all their crimes, the worst monsters we've ever seen are just humans. Very hungry humans. Hey all you weirdos, welcome to the ParCast Original Crime Countdown. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. Every week we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes. All picked? by the podcast research gods. This episode, we're going to be counting down the top 10 death row last meals. Immediately, of course, you're going to be like, what's your last meal? Obviously. Of course. And my last meal would hands down be every single thing on the menu at Alden and Harlow in Cambridge, Massachusetts. You love that (laughs) restaurant so much. You know, I've never been there. It's so good. All the tapas. I miss it. I think I would have a really hard time choosing what my last meal would be, but I know that sushi, mm-hmm. steak or some kind of potato would have to be on the list. I knew you would do sushi. Yeah, I love I just sushi. Knew it. And you know what? I would want a side of potato like every potato ever. Yeah, because it would be yeah. really hard to decide which like form of potato you'd like. Yeah, so I'm just going to have them all. All of them. Yeah. Especially hash browns. Of course. Um, also, if it were possible, I would ask that Ma make my last meal because <laughs> I compare legit every meal I order or make to Ma's cooking. This just got so dark, but I (laughs) concur. (laughs) You know what? I would want Ma's pot roast as a side to my many other sides that I'm getting. You just got all the sides. All the sides. Well, I don't think any of my five people had their mom making their last meal, but I'm not sure about yours because that's how this whole thing works. I have five last meals and so does Elena, but neither of us knows which the other's going to bring to the table. Oh, (laughs) let's start the countdown.
1: New season out on
2: Spotify soon. 10. I'll
0: start us off with number 10 serial killer Eileen Warnos. Her very simple final meal juxtaposes her wild history. If you know Eileen Warnos, you know she spent time as a sex worker on Florida's highways, and in 1989, she murdered one of the men who picked her up. Over the next year, she killed at least five other men. She was later arrested, convicted, and executed by lethal injection. Eileen is a trip. Eileen was wild. She was. Eileen's menu of crimes included being imprisoned in 1974 for drunk driving, and for firing a pistol from a moving vehicle. Haven't we all had that happen? It's like very like Bonnie. Very much. Bonnie and Clyde of her. Yeah. She was arrested multiple times on charges that included armed robbery, check forgery, and auto theft. Standard. Love it. Cardi B paid homage to her in her cover art for her song Press, where she recreated that famous courtroom pose that Eileen does. Is it the one where she's like pushing her hair back? The one where she was in the jumpsuit and the handcuffs. Yeah. Yeah. Eileen's last words, you ask? I'm asking. Okay. (laughs) Yes. I would just like to say, I'm sailing with the rock and I'll be back, like Independence Day with Jesus. June 6th, like the movie. Big mothership and all. I'll be back. I'll be back. I believe her. I do not. I believe her. She's coming back with that mothership. I'd prefer she didn't. And I don't know any rocks personally, but she's sailing to one. I believe that. I don't know where she is, but I'm glad she's not with us anymore. There's a, there's a rock she's sailing to. I don't know where it is. She also had a song request. Of course she did. Eileen frequently listened to Natalie Merchant's album Tiger Lily. Have you heard of that? Oh, I have. I haven't. She listened to it while on Death Row, and she requested that carnival be played at her funeral. Okay, there are a few things that really give me like the heebie jeebies, and that is one of them. Yeah, Carnival at your funeral is well, a the lot song to unpack. doesn't match. Nope. It's very strange. Two very different events, Eileen. Hate that. Well, as for her final dish, Eileen declined her special last meal, but she requested one cup of black coffee, dark coffee for the end of a dark life.
2: Nine.
0: At number nine is Gary Gilmore, who was convicted of a double murder in Utah County in September 1976. Gilmore requested shots for the end of his life, First, you wanted Jack Daniels, and then a firing squad. Two very different meanings of the word, but two shots indeed. <laughs> July 19th, 1976, Gilmore murdered a 24-year-old employee at a service station in Orem, Utah. The following night, he walked into a Provo motel and shot the night manager. He robbed the place and then just dipped. So he's really into shots. He's a mean guy. He's not good. He became the first execution after the Supreme Court declared the death penalty constitutional once again in 1976. It was outlawed in 1972. I feel like it's been like outlawed and inlawed and outlawed and inlawed so many times. It's like ping pong every time. It is. I feel like that's like calling a radio station, hoping to be like the 64.5th caller. Like (laughs) he's the winner. (laughs) I love that. He didn't try to fight the sentencing. He said, quote, I've simply accepted the sentence that was given to me. I've accepted sentences all my life, which I say boohoo. Oh, wham well, wam. Well. Boo-hoo to you. Gilmore tried to expedite the execution process and did make a few suicide attempts. His final meal was some very American food. Oh god. He got a hamburger? Mashed potatoes, a hard boiled egg, and multiple shots of Jack Daniels whiskey. Okay, so I get the hamburger. I get the shots and the mashed potatoes. Why would you in- include a hard boiled egg? I mean, I love a hard boiled egg. I'm okay with it, like, but I'm I not- wouldn't eat it before death. I'm on. Un- Why do you think you're going to like smell or something? Well, that and just like, no, I don't know. I don't get it. That's a very American plate of food, I feel. With a hamburger? Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't give him like an eagle to chew on as well. <laughs> That's very American. That's gross. <laughs> it's also messed up. They're endangered. <laughs> eight. Number eight on our countdown of the top ten death row last meals is Rodney Burgett. Burgett received the death penalty for the 2011 killing of a correctional officer during a failed prison escape attempt. Hmm. And honestly, his diner-style breakfast may have been too nice of a meal for this unapologetic killer. Ooh, Burgett had been serving a life sentence for an attempted murder and kidnapping conviction when he tried to escape and killed the officer. So he was already terrible. Yeah, horrible. Witnesses say that he never apologized to the family of his victims. Horrible. And the family said that his fate was more humane than what he granted for their loved ones. Oh, man. Yeah. That makes me sad. sad. Some of his final words are, quote, Sorry for the delay. I got caught in traffic. But seriously, I want to thank everybody that was there for me. I love you all. Wait, it's like traffic. How did this guy know what I say when I'm late for Zoom meetings? That was a good one. <laughs> Sorry for the delay. I got caught in traffic. I love you all. I Thanks love you for all. being Thanks here, everybody. That was there for me. I feel like he's like accepting an Oscar. He certainly is. That's really stupid. His actual final final words in response to the drugs they pumped into him were. Is it supposed to feel like that? I'd be like, probably not, bro. I'd be like, yeah, it's supposed to feel not good. Uh, His last meal was pancakes, waffles, maple syrup and butter, breakfast sausages, scrambled eggs, french fries, Pepsi and cherry nibs licorice. Wow. Like just a few things. I respect breakfast. I don't respect him. I don't respect him. Mm -hmm. I also respect licorice. I love licorice. The cherry kind. I was going to say. Not black (laughs) licorice. Oh, and just a little fun fact to leave you with. Crime ran in the family. Rodney's brother, Roger, also received the death penalty for murder as well after sitting on death row in Oklahoma for 13 years. Wow. Parents must be proud. Yikes. Seven. At number seven this week is Bruno Richard Hauptmann. Hauptmann was convicted and sentenced to death in the 1932 kidnapping and murder of the 20-month-old son of Charles A. Lindbergh. He ended things with a sensible meal, totally undeserved for such a monster. Uh Uh-oh. Charles Lindbergh, the baby's father, was the first aviator to complete a solo transatlantic flight, which he did in his plane, Spirit of St. Louis. Hauptmann had a tough upbringing, which does not (laughs) give him a right. I was going to say, it's like, you know. Yeah. He had served as a teenaged machine gunner in World War I and lost two brothers in the war. That's sad. Totally sad, but like, I don't care, Hauptmann. We feel bad for him pre-kidnapping. Yeah, sure. But Hauptmann's the worst. He faced food and job scarcity in post-war Germany and turned to a life of crime as a result. Not good. Not good. He broke out of prison while awaiting trial and left his neatly folded prison clothes on the front stairs with a note which read, best wishes to the police. I feel like he didn't mean that. If he wasn't the worst, I would think that's pretty amazing. But Yeah. I'd be like, good job. That's yeah. awesome. Like, LOL. But like Hauptmann, no. Snaps for no. you. Hauptman. Yeah. No snaps for Hauptman. No. He got into America using a disguise and false documents, but the FBI tracked him down by tracing the ransom money. Duh. So his last meal... Chicken, celery, olives, french fries, buttered peas, cherry, and cake. I hope his chicken was pink, his celery was slimy, his olives were not stuffed, his french fries (laughs) were burnt and unsalted, his buttered peas were exactly how they are, his cherries were sour, (laughs) and his cake was dry. That's how I feel. His buttered peas were exactly (laughs) as they are. No, unbuttered. (laughs) Unbuttered. There you go. (laughs) Six. Also on our list at number six is Timothy McVeigh, the man who perpetrated the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing that killed 168 people and injured over 680 others. McVeigh was found guilty on all counts in 1997 and sentenced to death, but annoyingly not before enjoying a final treat, usually saved for kids as a reward or adults going through a breakup. Ew. Or Elena every single night. (laughs) I was going to say, or just nighttime. (laughs) So McVeigh acted because he liked the Branch Davidians and felt rage at the government for their use of force. I mean, there's other ways to go about this. Yeah, it's like, you know, maybe just write your congressman first. Yes, I mean, start there. Or just like open up pint of ice cream and just Go go to town like drown your woes do it he created a homemade bomb and left it in front of the oklahoma city federal building where it detonated The Branch Davidian surviving sects have branched off from the original cult, but they all agree that Timothy McVeigh is no example or hero to them. Oh, good. It's like, good that you don't stand by the Oklahoma City bomber. Pat on the back for you. They get snaps as well. Yeah. You know, it's like, what? Wow. Investigators say McVeigh was eager to get caught so he could spread his message publicly. His last meal was two pints of mint chocolate chip ice cream. Oh, no. Which it's like do ruin mint chocolate chip for me. I love mint chocolate chip ice cream. I wonder if he got it like you get it at Friendly's, like the monster head. Oh, man. You remember that from when we were little? I hope he didn't. The best. He definitely didn't. No. He was executed by lethal injection on June 11th, 2001 at the Federal Correctional Complex in Terre Haute, Indiana. Hauptmann to me is the one that makes me the angriest. Yeah. I don't know if you could tell. I was going to say you sounded really angry on that one. I was very subtle. I tried to hide it. But the Lindbergh baby kidnapping is like. That case is That case is crazy. If anybody knows that case, it's nuts. Yeah. But yeah, some of these are wild. Eileen Warnos with just a black cup of coffee. Yeah, what are you doing? Why would you end your life that way? Come on, eat something crazy. Like, come on, girl. And even just the two pints of mint chocolate chip ice cream, I'm like, nothing else? I would feel so sick going into the afterlife. Exactly, that's the thing. I'd be like, I need a lactate as well.
2: (laughs) Or two. Hi, it's Kate from Parcast Network. If you haven't had a chance to check out the entertaining new podcast, Blind Dating, now's the time to binge what you've missed before catching all new episodes every Wednesday. In this Spotify original from Parcast, we're expanding the places you can meet your match with a twist you'll never see coming. Join host Tara Michelle as she introduces one hopeful single to two strangers in a voice-only call. Through a series of illuminating games and questions, the trio will get to know one another without the distraction of appearances. But once the cameras are turned on, is personality still enough for these strangers to fall for each other? Or will they say farewell? Connect with new episodes of Blind Dating every Wednesday. You can find and follow Blind Dating free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some...
2: All
0: right, let's jump back in with number five on our countdown of Death Row Last Meals. Starting off the second half of our list is Victor Feger. Feger was a drifter who killed a physician in Iowa while apparently attempting to rob him of drugs in 1960. Three years later, he'd be buried with part of his last meal in his pocket. But why, though? Why, though, you ask? In 1960, he cold-called physicians from the phone book saying someone was sick and needed medical attention. Not good. Luring them in. Right. Not cool. Dr. Edward Bartles arrived at the boarding house Fegger was staying. Fegger kidnapped him and killed him. So he came to help him, and he kidnapped him and killed him. Yeah, that's messed up. A few days later, Fegger was arrested in Birmingham, Alabama after trying to sell Dr. Bartles' car. Sentenced to death... By hanging. That was also just stupid. Like, the guy's missing and you're going to sell his car? Of course it was. What do you think the is about to go down? The whole was stupid. And it's like, that's going to be on record that you called that doctor to right. come to that address. Everything is very traceable in very this. Very dumb. Doctors who examined him three months before his execution said he was a sociopath, which it's like, oh, really? You don't say. With schizophrenic tendencies. Oh, okay. He was the last federal prisoner executed before the death penalty was federally suspended because, again, we're flip-flopping back and forth. a ping-pong match. And the last federal execution by hanging was his. Huh. And again, what a distinction. <laughs> his last meal was a single olive waste of everything. What an ass. <laughs> also, olives are so gross. I love olives, so, like, I won't go down on that ship with you, but... you <laughs> Asking for a single olive? I just feel like one. that's so, like... I don't know what it is. It's pretentious in some way. Were you going to say pretentious? feels pretentious to me just to be like, give me a single olive. It's just weird. I feel like it's weird. Also, he asked for a pitted olive. So not just any of those like, just give me an olive. I want an olive with a pit in it. I didn't even know they had pits. Yeah. Wow, really? No. (laughs) Look at you. I don't like olives. So when he was buried, the olive pit from his last meal was put in his suit pocket. Ew. You want to know why? No. Yes. He said his hope was that it would grow an olive tree from his body. And his death would be a sign of peace. Did he think somebody was going to water his grave? I hate him so much. Like what? I hate him. Four. Landing at number four this week is Ronnie Lee Gardner. Gardner lived a life of crime, but the chain of events that put him on death row is a grotesque, bloody journey. And he rewarded himself with the ultimate bougie last meal. I hate him already. Yeah. Well, in 1980, Gardner was sent to prison for robbery and escaped in 1981. I feel like I have a lot of either escapes or escape attempts. Yeah, you do. Yeah, we're leaving prison. (laughs) We're getting out of there. (laughs) Two weeks later, he confronted a man who was sleeping with his girlfriend. Uh Uh-oh. Not good. In the confrontation, he was wounded by gunfire, but was eventually arrested and returned to prison. They were like, you gotta go back. It's a bad day. In 1984, he was taken to the hospital for a checkup where he overpowered a guard, stole his pistol, and escaped again. It's time to put this guy under, like, a little more watch, I like feel. Like, some solitary or something. A little bit. Two months later, Gardner shot and killed a bartender in Salt Lake City. Jeez. So clearly he doesn't change at all. He's so busy. On April 2nd, 1985, at a pretrial hearing for murder, a female friend walked up and handed Gardner a gun. It's like, how was she able to do that? She just saunters up, room? and it's like, here you go, here you are. He exchanged fire with courtroom guards and was wounded, but he was able to enter the archives room, where he shot and killed an attorney. He shot and seriously wounded a uniformed bailiff, took a vending machine serviceman hostage. And then broke free before being captured outside. My goodness. So he went down screaming. He needs to calm down. They should not have given him a last meal. I would have been no. like, you get nothing. Yeah, I'd be like, your glucose you have- level is clearly through the roof. <laughs> you need to calm down. <laughs> like You've done nothing to earn this. Chill. Well, his final meal was steak. Lobster, apple pie, vanilla ice cream, and a 7-Up. That sounds like the kind of meal an overcompensator would order. Yeah, I feel. I agree with you. I'm just going to label that right there. But steak and lobster, I might add that to my list. Overcompensating. 3... Number three on our countdown of Death Row Last Meals is John Wayne Gacy's fried and fruit-filled finale. I knew that he was going to be on here. Of course. The vile John Wayne Gacy assaulted, tortured, and murdered at least 33 boys and men, some as young as 14, from 1972 to 1978. Maybe it's appropriate that his last meal was as greasy as he was. He was a greasy, greasy man. That's all you can do to describe him It's just greasy. Mm-hmm. Gross. He was nicknamed the Killer Clown, and he would dress up and perform clown services as his alter ego, Pogo the Clown. Who was terrifying. Yeah, and Pogo the Clown, you could tell he was Mm -hmm. evil already, because real clowns will have rounded makeup, Mm -hmm. and Pogo the Clown had really harsh, like, angles. Because it's, like, scary to children. Because that's scary to children. Little-known fact about clowns for you. He also held a job as a mortuary attendant in Las Vegas and as a salesman at the Nunn Bush Shoe Company in Springfield, Illinois. After he married, his father-in-law bought Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurants in Waterloo, Iowa. Well, Gacy managed them. It's like my dream to own a KFC franchise. Hate that. But can you imagine eating at a KFC that he had managed? No, thank you. I'd be like, what is inside of my body right now? Grease. I'm upset. Grease upon grease. He was pretty involved and well-liked in the Waterloo community. And it's also where things started to take, uh, let's say, a darker turn. You could call it that. Quite dark. Gacy had frequent run-ins with the police, almost always over sexual assault charges, but he was often freed. We did an episode on him for Mm -hmm. Morbid, and he got out of everything. I feel like a lot of times, like, the big-name serial killers had run-ins with the police, and you're like, how did you get out of that? And they always got out of it. It's because they can be charming and manipulative. Right, and they always have, like, a body in the trunk or something. Always, always. They temper it. Mm Mm-hmm. Gacy committed his crimes in his home. The contractor often lured young boys to his home, promising jobs and money. So these poor kids that are just looking to make an extra buck. Right. That's how he would get them there. A staggering 29 bodies were recovered on his property, many in the crawl spaces. And Ugh. four more were discovered in a nearby river, and he was sentenced to death. The ones in the river were in the river, by the way, because he ran out of room. <laughs> like, literally ran out of room. And he was it's like, well, up. gotta do something. His last meal... 12 fried shrimp, a bucket of original recipe KFC, French fries, and a pound of strawberries. See, the first part of the meal is like so him. It's almost cannibalism. It's so him. Okay, don't say that, though, because I would totally eat that. It's very him, though. Like, you have to think that. You're right. You're right. The last part... Like, you know, the French fries and a pound of strawberries. I'm not saying John Wayne Gacy is my four-year-old, but it's alarming. (laughs) They do eat a lot of strawberries. Like a pound of strawberries. The only difference is that I cut them into hearts when I make them for your children. Exactly. I'm not saying my four-year-old is John Wayne Gacy, but I'm not saying that there isn't a connection here. That's (laughs) all I'm saying. We won't let them know. (laughs) I can't believe we're already almost at the end. I know. And John Wayne Casey's really just took my appetite away. Yeah, he really did. I think it lit yours aflame. And <laughs> I, I honestly want to go to KFC after this. Like, I might. <laughs> and I don't want to eat anything ever again. Yeah. <laughs> I got to see what's coming up next. I don't know what's coming up next. Two. So- We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of death row last meals. At number two is Stephen Michael Woods Jr. In May 2001, he murdered a 19 year old woman and her boyfriend and dumped their bodies along a golf course road. In the end, he was short on last words, but not on food. Wait until you hear what this dude ordered. A lot. Woods admitted to the police that he was with the victims the night before their bodies were found, but not with them on the night of the murder. Wow, what a no coincidence! Way. <laughs> no way, no way, sir. Was not there. Wood said that it was a drug deal that went sour and that he was tripping on LSD at the time. Oh, then it's okay. It's like, do you think you're going to get away with it because you were having a bad trip? The police are like, why didn't you say so? Oh, just get out of here. That's a horse of a different color, literally. Well, detectives interview his accomplice and find the victim's belongings in his car Hmm. and a latex glove with Wood's DNA like all over it. It's like, hello. Yeah. The glove fits, bro. Woods goes on the run, but obviously he's caught. Of course. He got a last meal, so. He got a last (laughs) meal, so he did get caught. Several witnesses testified that before the killings, he told them about his plans to commit the murders. And after the killings, he told them that he did it. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, you might have wanted to not do either of those things if you wanted to get away with murder. It's an interesting strategy. Let's see if it pans out for him. Definitely not a good guy. <laughs> According to court records, Woods was also a Satanist, white supremacist, and into bomb making and the mistreatment of animals. Oh, don't feed him. No, horrible dude. But they did. Ugh. He asserted his innocence until the end and his last words were you're not about to witness an execution. You're about to witness a murder. I've never killed anybody. Never. I don't believe you, sir. So that was his last big sentence. Mm -hmm. And then his last word was goodbye. Toodles. Which is dumb. His last meal, bacon, a large pizza with bacon, sausage, pepperoni, and hamburger, fried chicken breast, chicken fried steak, hamburgers with bacon, lots of bacon, Wow. on French toast, garlic breadsticks, Mountain Dew, Pepsi, root beer, sweet tea, and ice cream. Every one of my arteries just slammed shut. <laughs> they were like, and scene. Like, I don't know if everybody could hear that, but that was my arteries. I also love that he couldn't choose like which soda he wanted and then <laughs> was also like, I also want sweet tea. I would also like some sweet tea. Like, you're gonna be bloated going into that. It's depth. like when little kids will put every soda into one cup. Yeah. That's what he did. You know what I just thought of too? Imagine being the person that like sees their stomach in the autopsy. Oh, I'd be so so That'd be so annoying. And let me tell you, and the disgusting. smell would not be good. One. And that brings us to number one on our countdown of the top ten death row last meals: white supremacist and all-around awful human, Lawrence Russell Brewer. Brewer, along with two others, killed James Byrd Jr., a Black man, in a racially motivated hate crime in Jasper, Texas, in 1998. Brewer's disgusting last meal order ultimately ended up being the last meal for all Texas death row inmates. Brewer was not new to crime. Prior to Byrd's murder, Brewer had served a prison sentence for drug possession and burglary. So he was already on his way. Right, exactly. His deep affiliation with the KKK cemented it as a racially motivated hate crime. It's like, what are you doing with your life if that's what you're doing? The worst human. Byrd's funeral was well attended by celebrities and civil rights activists who covered the funeral costs and helped the family. Oh, my God. That's so sad. I can't. This case destroys me. Yeah, that's a tough one. In 2009, President Obama signed the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act into law, which expanded hate crime protections. We covered that in the Matthew Shepard Mm -hmm. episode we did for Morbid and... That case, too. Those two cases oh my are. God. Ugh, we so both cried while yeah. we did that case. First time I've cried. Last meal for this monster of a human? Are you ready? Yes. Are you sitting? Are you well hydrated? Because it's going to take my a butt. long time. Fried okra with ketchup, two chicken fried steaks smothered in gravy and onions, cheese omelette with ground beef, tomatoes, onions, bell, and jalapeno peppers, a triple meat bacon cheeseburger. Three fajitas, one pound of barbecue, and a half loaf of white bread, pizza meat lover special, one pint of homemade vanilla bluebell ice cream, one slab of peanut butter fudge with crust peanuts, and three root beers. The peanut butter fudge, like, yes, but also, what? Don't give him anything. That's insane. Imagine having to be the guy that went out and got all that. Well, you want to hear what's worse? No. When Brewer's food was delivered to him... He said, I'm not hungry, and he refused to eat any of it. So that's, like, infuriating, but also I wouldn't be that mad because then I'd be like, oh, dibs on the peanut butter fudge. But you're like, the taxpayers just paid for this. <laughs> that's true. So we can't let it go to waste. You know what they should have done? You know how they make force feed him. How it's an awful process? To, yeah. You, yeah, they should do that to him and just yeah. force-feed it down his gullet. Do it. This made Texas officials end the practice of giving death row inmates a last meal of their choice. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, so you can all thank this D-bag for it. Brewer was executed by the state of Texas on September 21st, 2011. Wow. See ya. See ya. I definitely think that that should have been number one because that was Outrageous. Yeah, that was insane. I feel like number two and number one were perfect. There was lots of bacon, lots of different pizzas, many options. Fried okra was in there. I've never had fried okra. Never will. It seems like every single one of these meals matched the person who ordered it. Like from the start, because Eileen was black coffee. So it's like, she's real dark. She's real dark. And then we've got John Wayne Gacy was just a grease ball. And that's what he did. Greasy AF. And then Brewer there just ordered everything disgusting under the sun. And then he said no to it. So he's just a terrible human. And that's a terrible human thing to do. (laughs) Yeah, that's just like real rude. Totally matches him. And then Stephen Michael Woods, he just really had a lot of bacon. And I feel like (laughs) I I love bacon. And he was a pig. But so, he was a pig. Oh so my there God. there you go. Boom. And then, oh, Timothy McVeigh. The oh two yeah. Two pints yeah. of ice cream. Loser. It's just like not enough. No. You're not enough. To, Timothy you McVeigh. stink. You stink. You know what was left off though? <gasps> what? Ted Bundy. What did he get? He was actually one of the ones like Eileen, who said he didn't want a last meal, but they gave him the standard one that they give now, which is just like breakfast. Well, that's boring then. That's why he wasn't on here. But I feel like it's like he declined the last meal too. That's interesting. He was too cool for the last meal. Too cool for the last meal. Pulling a Bundy. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Spotify has all your favorite music and podcasts all in one place. They're making it easier to listen to whatever you want to hear for free on your phone, computer, or smart speaker. And if you can't get enough of these creepy crimes, check out our After Crime Countdown podcast playlist on Spotify where we've handpicked even more episodes about this week's stories that we think you're going to enjoy. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like us, which you made it this far, so hopefully you do, you can join us on Morbid. You can listen to us anywhere that you listen to podcasts, or you can join us on Instagram at Morbid Podcast or on Twitter at Amorbid Podcast. And as always, we hope you keep it weird and that you are well fed until next Monday. Crime Countdown was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Kevin McAlpine. Produced by John Cohen, Jonathan Ratliff, Maggie Admire, and Kristen Acevedo. Crime Countdown stars Ash Kelly and Elena Urquhart.
2: Hi, it's Kate again. Before you go, I want to remind you to check out the hit Spotify original from ParCast, Blind Dating. Every Wednesday, find out if there's more to love than just looks. Follow Blind Dating free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.